0: This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I have uh, been preaching a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. I don't know how long it's going to last. I just keep studying and keep... God keeps working, and I just think it's what people need. I think it's what we need right now, to be honest with you. I think he is the answer for what we're facing in our country. So I want you to take your copy of God's Word, whatever that is, if it's an iPad, iPhone, if it's a literal Bible. If you don't have any of it, it's right here on this screen. Psalms 92, verse 10. Psalms 92, verse 10. David, this, this verse I read years ago, I was a... I was a young preacher, and I read this verse, and it impacted me. David said, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. And this is the line that really spoke to my heart. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That really just spoke to my heart. And what I want to talk to you about is fresh anointings fresh anointings because I want you to know something we all need fresh anointings that's why David said I shall be anointed with fresh oil and I'll expound and I'll explain more I want to talk to you about fresh anointings now different different things in the Bible are used to symbolize the Holy Spirit Uh, the wind wind in the Bible symbolizes the Holy Spirit Uh, New wine in the Bible symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Uh, A dove, a dove in the Bible. We talked about the dove a few weeks ago. And the dove symbolizes the Holy Spirit. But oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. I began to study the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God says to Samuel, I want you to go down to Jesse's house. There's a king down at Jesse's house. (laughs) When others saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king. And he said, "Uh, I want you to go down there to uh, Jesse's house and anoint the king. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Samuel, he was the prophet, he took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, David, in the midst of his seven brothers. And look what it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. It was an anointing. But you know, as I I studied, this is what was interesting to me. I found out in 2 Samuel 2 and 7, and in 2 Samuel 5 and 3, David was anointed again. So that tells me, ladies and gentlemen, there's multiple anointings in our lives, it's not one and we're done. <laughs> it's not two and we're through. There's multiple, there's multiple fresh anointings that we need in the Christian life. Now, what is, what is, you said, Pastor, that word anointing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know about all this that you're sharing. Well, let me give you something to think about. Jesus Christ, when I say Jesus Christ, uh, you say, well, Jesus was his first name and Christ was his last name. No, that's simply not true. It's, it's not like Benny Tate or Bob Jones. Jesus Christ, what the word Christ means is anointed one. The anointed one. It was a title. What God is saying is the anointed one wants to give an anointing to you. The anointed one wants to give an anointing to you. So, Pastor, what is this anointing? Well, look what he says. Anointing is when the Holy Spirit gives you supernatural wisdom, insight, ability stamina our protection to do what he has chosen you to do and we got to understand something there's a calling on every person's life every person you say well pastor you're called well, wait here's the thought you're called too every person is called Vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means a calling. Every person is called. Now, for years, this is what I thought. I thought that a woman had a baby, and after she had the baby, God said, now I've got to get a plan for that baby's life. But I was so wrong. Here's the truth. God had a plan, and God had a purpose And that's why that baby was born. (laughs) You say, why was I born, Pastor? Oh, I can explain. God had a calling. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And literally, that's the reason why you were born. Jeremiah says this, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God said I had a plan, and that's why I created you. See, there are no accidental children. That's why I believe in the intrinsic value of every life. There are no accidental children. There are accidental parents. But there are no accidental children. God has a plan. And here's what I want you to understand. You can't fulfill what God's called you to do in your own power. You can never fulfill what God has called you to do in your own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need fresh anointings in our lives. Years ago, I got on a plane and I went to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma to have lunch with this man, this man right here. And when I show you this man, nobody knows who the man is, but I went to Oklahoma City to have lunch with him, nevertheless. And he told me, he said, Preacher, he said, My daddy was a preacher. And he said, My mama was a preacher. And he said, I've got five siblings. And he said, they were either a preacher or they married a preacher. He said, every bit of my family was in ministry. And he said, there was a pressure on me. But he said, it just wasn't what I felt like I was supposed to do. He said, I didn't do good in school. He said, I failed the seventh grade. (laughs) I said, well, I was in the bottom half that made the top half possible. He said, I, I, I failed the seventh grade. I didn't do well in school. But he said, you know what intrigued me? I said, what intrigued you? He said, what intrigued me was taking a dime and turning it in to 20 cents. I said, that's interesting. So he said, my wife and I borrowed $600 And we bought a framing machine, and we started making picture frames. I said, that's pretty neat. And he said, it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And I said, David Green, I want you to know something. I know you're a billionaire, and my wife and I helped to make that a reality. And I found out that Hobby Lobby has 43,000 employees. And he said something. He said, Preacher, but what you may not know, he said everything, all the proceeds, all the profits, he said 50% of it we put right back into ministry. He said, wait. He said, 50% of it, we put right back into ministry. And I said, did I explain? I am a ministry. <laughs> no, <I> did. <laughs> and I said, okay, wait. He said, you know, all of those siblings that are in ministry, he said, I've been able to fund it. He said, there's only two things that are eternal the Word of God and souls. And that's where we need to place priority. Here's what I want you to see. I think we we miss it. Charles Stanley said these words. He said, we don't need more full-time Christian workers in the church. We need more full-time Christian workers in the marketplace with people who need to hear the truth. All I'm trying to say, folks, every person has a calling, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God wants to do in your life. Now, let me make five quick statements. Number one, when God appoints you, he anoints you. When God appoints you, he anoints you. He doesn't call the equipped. (laughs) He equips the called. Here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I just want you to know something, folks. When God appoints you, (laughs) he anoints you. I love what Major Ian Thomas said. He said, I cannot. I cannot. He never said I could. He can. He always said he would. You said, Pastor, I don't feel sufficient. That's a wonderful place to be because you're leaning into God and you're trusting him and it's the dependence upon God that brings the anointing in your life. See, folks, when when we just lean on God and say, I'm not smart enough, God, I'm not smart enough to live my life the way I should live it, I need you to direct me. I need you to direct me. When you do that, great things will happen in your life. Because when God appoints you, he anoints you. Monday, I'm here, I'm studying. I know it's pastor's day off, and I knew it would be real quiet. And I thought it'd be a great time to be alone. And a little bit before two, something said to me, take that out and put it in your vehicle. And I said, I, I think I'll wait. But something kept saying, you know, something or somebody kept saying, do that. And so I said, well, I guess it'd be a good time for a study break, and I started heading that way, and I've got my phone, and I'm calling somebody I'm sure to wish him a happy birthday. And uh, I look over in the corner, and there stands a young man. Young man. By the way, they're all young now, but a young man. <laughs> and he's standing there, and I could tell he's emotional, and he says, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm on the phone. Let me finish up. and I'll talk to you. And he's, Okay. And he stepped over, and I said, "How you doing, son?" He said, I'm "Not doing good." I said, well, "Why you're not doing good?" He said, "I lost my home." I said, "What do you mean you lost your home?" He said, "My wife's left. My wife's leaving me." I said, "That's not good." And I talk a little bit, and I pray with him, and I said, "Where's your wife at?" He said, uh, "She's pulling up in just a few moments." I said, why is she pulling up? She's coming here to meet with the counselor. She's coming here to meet with the church counselor because she's going to tell the church counselor today she wants a divorce. She's made up her mind. She's done with counseling. She wants out of the marriage. She's done. And he said, Preacher Benny, we got two small children. I said, I sure hate it. I said, well, let me meet your wife. And I go up and I meet the wife and... Talk a few minutes and I said, You all are not here for me. You're here for the counselor. So come go with me. I know exactly where her office is, and I'm leading this couple, and we go to the office and I open the door and I look in there and it's dark. And I said, She'll be here pretty soon. And listen, I'm not a counselor. My philosophy of counseling is admit it, quit it, and forget it. I'm not a good counselor. Listen. If, if I was suicidal, I wouldn't see myself. I'm terrible. I mean, I'm just terrible. If you think, man, I need to see him. No, you don't. He's somewhere between bad and terrible. He's no good. Anybody that talks as much as I do is not a good counselor. I'll promise you. Okay. The counselor wasn't there. And I said, God, what's this about? And I said, would you all like to sit down with me a few minutes? And they said, yes, we sure would. And I start talking to him about, he starts talking to me about struggles in his life. And I said, you just need accountability. You don't have anything in your life. See, folks, you, unless you have accountability in your life, you won't get better. And if you want to stay better, stay accountable. Somebody said, oh, God's my accountability. No, no, no. You need accountability in your life. And when you're not committed to accountability, you're not committed to getting better. And so I said, bless God, let me make a few calls. And I started calling men. Will you hold him accountable? Will you do this? I said, That's what I do. That's what I do. I said, I've got this couple in the church, and what they do, their, their gift is to work with young married couples. They'd love to take you in and shepherd you and help you through your marriage. And then I directed my attention toward the wife, and I said, da-da-da, took her through some things, and I said, now, if you'll go with me, we have a counseling ministry right down the road. I'll, you all can follow me, and I'll take you in there, and I'll introduce you, and they'll start working with you this very day. And then I looked at that little wife, and I said, are you willing to try? And she started to cry. And she said, in light of him doing what you've set up, I'm willing to try. I said, it's the best decision. You've got two little children. It's the best decision. Now, look, folks, I want you to see one hero in the story, just one, the Holy Spirit. One hero. One hero. The Holy Spirit said, go to your vehicle. Go to your vehicle. And I went to the vehicle and God did a work. And I want you to know something. The same Holy Spirit wants to lead your life. The same Holy Spirit wants to lead your life. The same Holy Spirit wants to direct your life because when he appoints you, he anoints you. Let me tell you the second thing. God's anointing makes all the difference. God's anointing makes all the difference. In Samuel The Bible says in Samuel that Samuel comes and he anoints Saul in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 10 and 1. But I want you to see something. Samuel anoints him. But look what 1 Samuel 10 and 6 says. It says, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon him. Look, and he's turned into another man. That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. God's anointing makes all the difference. See, creation is God behind us. Bethlehem is God with us. Calvary is God, God for us. But Pentecost is God in us. God's anointing makes all the difference. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Somebody said, Pastor, I'm just living my life on adrenaline. We need to live our lives on anointing because it's the anointing that will make all the difference in your life. The third thing I want you to see is God's anointing. Makes the impossible possible. God's anointing makes the impossible possible. Matthew 19 and 26 says, With the men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You say, Pastor, I've got insurmountable problems in my marriage, I've got insurmountable problems in my finances. I've got insurmountable problems in my emotions, in my health, with my children, with relationships. Listen to me very closely. God's anointing makes the impossible possible. It's what makes all the difference. Ephesians 3 and 20 says this, Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above... (laughs) All that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. See, it's God's anointing that makes the impossible possible. You know, uh, over in the small chapel, for years, every Saturday, at five o'clock, I'd go into that small chapel and I'd place my hands on pews and I'd pray for people because what I would do I would envision where the people sit on Sunday. And when I got to that seat, I'd pray for that person. I still do that. We're creatures of habit. For the most part, whether you realized or not, you sit in the same place every week. If not the same seat, real, real close. That's how I'm able to say I've been missing you in church. Now, some of you want to do these crazy things and move from one side to the other and kind of mess me up. (laughs) But that's how I keep up with it. For the most part, you sit in the same place. So so I'm looking for you, and I visualize you in that seat. And I remember uh, we needed a new building. Gosh, we were scared. We didn't have any resources. I would preach at 830, and people would be full, and I'd preach at 11 o'clock, and... People would be basically on the front porch of the church. It was just packed. And I finally said to the board, "I said we need to build." And they said, "We just we're scared to do that. It would cost so much money." And da da da. I said, "Well, we got two options. We can either build, or you know, go out to the marquee out front, put on the marquee, go to hell. We're full." Story, and they said, "Well, maybe we need to build." (laughs) And we 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 built this massive building. We built this large. It was massive to me, just a country boy from the hills of Tennessee, and it was massive. And and I began to think about now. I got to try to create the funds to pay for this. I went to the bank, and they told me that I didn't have the clientele of people to build what I was trying to build. And I finally got one bank to give me the loan, and it was going to take 27 years to pay the loan off. (laughs) And with the wrong clientele of people, we paid it off in three years and nine months. And I'm thinking about how am I going to pay this building off and how am I ever going to fill it up? And I'm over in the little chapel praying, and I said, God, I'm sorry. Every time I tell this, I get emotional. I said, God, how am I going to fill it up? And God spoke to me, and He said, You didn't fill the one up you're in. <laughs> you didn't fill the one up you're in. I did. And it's God's anointing that makes the impossible possible. Let me tell you the fourth thing I want you to understand. God anoints you to help others. God anoints you simply to help others. God wants us to help others with their hurts, (laughs) their habits, and their hang-ups. But God anoints us just so we can be a help to others. The anointing that's on your life and on my life and on any life, God said, I just anointed you. I just chose to anoint you so you could be a help to somebody else. It was never to exalt you, it was always to help other people. Isaiah chapter 61 Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. <laughs> Isaiah said, He's anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was the year of Jubilee. That was on the 50th year. All the debts were canceled. The slaves were set free. What he was saying, Isaiah was saying, God's anointed me to tell you their new beginnings. To comfort all that mourn, to point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, wait. Jesus is going to preach his very first message. Very first message. You Pastor, what was Jesus' first message? I don't know. I'm going to tell you. It's in Luke chapter 4. This was his first message. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus said, uh, He's anointed me to share the gospel with all people. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives, those that are bound by whatever is holding them captive. The recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that this old world's bruised. And then he said, after he did that, he just closed the book and he sat down and the eyes of them that were in the synagogue, they were fastened on him. And he said these words, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. What was he saying? You want forgiveness It's right here. (laughs) You want your heart that's been broken to be mended? It's right here. You want victory over what's holding you captive? It's right here. He was saying, I am the answer for everything. For everything. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. Everything you need is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Lastly, We need fresh anointings. I love what the Scripture said. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Look, today's problems can't be solved with yesterday's anointing. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our muffly bread. Babe Ruth said... We can't win today's game with yesterday's home run. We need fresh anointing in our lives because we leak. We leak. We leak. Let let me, let me share this with you. In the last two days, I've had five funerals. Wait, now let me clarify something. Nobody of COVID, nobody of COVID, but I have had five funerals. I was preaching one of the funerals and right in the middle, I, I, I was trying to get to point three and right in the middle of the funeral, God said, right here, right in this room Friday, right in the middle of the funeral, the Holy Spirit said to me, share the gospel. I said, but God, point three. He said, no, no, no. Share the gospel. And I just stopped. And I said, listen, we were all born sinners. We were all born sinners. All born sinners And I want you to know something. Christ died on that cross for our sin. Christ died on that cross for our sin. And I said, if you accept Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sins, you can be right with God. And then I said, how many of you would like to do that? Fifteen people prayed to receive Jesus at that field. But in your life and in my life, we've got to be sensitive to when God's speaking to us. The next message I preach will be about how do you know? How do you know the voice of God? How does the Spirit of God speak to us? That will be the next message I preach, I promise you, to you. Because we leak. What causes us to leak? Pride gets in our life. Unforgiveness gets in our lives. Let me tell you what God's been doing with me. I'll tell you what God's been doing with me. I'm sorry if I'm lingering. I'm sorry. But I'll tell you what God's been doing with me. He's been showing me how rotten I am. He's been showing me things that I need to let go of. He's been showing me people I need to forgive. Because he said, if you want a greater anointing in your life, you're going to have to do these things. And it's not enough, folks, just to say I forgive. No, you need to go express love. Wait, wait. You say, Pastor, where, where do you get that? And grieve not the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 430. And then verse 32 says, and be ye kind one to another. You can't do one to another if you're not around them. If they'll just stay away from me, I'll stay away from them. Friend, you've got feelings in your heart that you need to deal with. I know I'm slapping somebody with this. I didn't. Man, I was getting some dirty looks when I said that. You say, well, Pastor Benny, how can, how can I experience more of God? Hosea 10 and 12 tells us, that I'm done. Sow to yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. How do you, Pastor Benny, how do you reap? you sow and reap? It means prayer. If you want more of God, the wonderful place to start is prayer. Now look, pray and look what it says. And break up the fallow ground. What is that? That's ground that's hard. Break it up. Our hearts have a propensity to get hard. God said humility, humility, Humility in your life. You got to start breaking up that ground. And I thought about something, folks. If ground's real hard, you know what will soften the ground? A storm. A storm will soften the ground. And sometimes God sends a storm to our lives. Because he's trying to soften that heart. He's trying to soften that ground. So, what do we do? We pray, we exemplify humility, and we seek the Lord. This is all I'm gonna say. What are you seeking? You say, I want more of God. Well, I wanna ask you something. What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? How much are you seeking? If we want more of God, prayer, humility, and seek the Lord. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin now thank you Lord for forgiving me thank you for coming in to my life amen friend congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make and I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling he's a fact this decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.